1: Good morning, Elise Bowie with the Maximum Mom podcast, and today I have one of my favorite people of all times. Um, Her name is Karen Bunnell, and she is really just who I consider the ninja of all high conflict co-parenting. She can work with anybody, and she has taught me so much about working with people in high conflict co-parenting situations. Karen, welcome, and thanks for coming today.
0: Elise, you are just way too kind, and it is my pleasure
1: to be here on the Maximum Mom Podcast. Are you kidding? I wouldn't have missed it. This is so great. Yeah, well, I love that you're here. Well, and I always like to start out, I always want to know, just because, you know, it's the mom part of me, I think that really resonates the most. Tell us a little bit about your family. Oh,
0: well, I'm very lucky. I have two beautiful adult children and a wonderful son-in-law and he has a lovely brother who's a teenager so they're in our family and his mom lives very near to us so we're just like a little compound I have two baby granddaughters and um, like I said I'm half a mile away and I couldn't be luckier
1: that's so very blessed awesome. oh, yeah. I love that it really is I mean the fact that you get to spend that kind of time with your grandchildren, I just think that's wonderful. I had such a amazing relationship with my grandparents. It was really meaningful to me growing up. I think that's yeah. awesome. Well, tell yeah. us a little bit about your... Well, to also first tell us, tell us what you do. I mean, you are not a lawyer, so you're one of the few people I've invited on this podcast who is not an attorney because you are so special, um, but I know you deal with us attorneys all the time, so tell us what you do. Well, you know what?
0: I think that if I wasn't the age that I am, I might go back to law school. I have to tell you, I think I have kinship. With my attorney colleagues Um, I certainly love the work I am a nurse practitioner Believe it or not by training I've always worked in psych mental health And I did psychotherapy for Straight for 35 years And the last you know 10 years or so starting Before that I guess before that 35 Because I'm not 100 yet (laughs) I started working in family law Back in 2005-ish 2006-ish And so for the last 15 years I've just slowly but surely um, You know limited what i do to working with families who are restructuring whether that is because of separation and divorce or because of recoupling and creating step families so think of that whole arc of parents become co-parents become step parents um, i'm all in for helping them do that as skillfully as possible
1: Well, tell us a little bit about the two books you've written, which I mean, as you know, they both are like Bibles to me. I give them out. I do everything I can do to make sure every human in Seattle reads them. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about your books, because I actually know a lot of listeners will want to grab a copy of your books.
0: Well, thank you, Elise. Probably the most popular book is the Co-Parenting Handbook. And just as an add note, that's also available on Audible. The first edition is available on Audible. And that really is, if you will, it was my goal that it could be the Bible of how to do skillful co-parenting, the Dr. Spock of co-parenting, if you will. It's like, can I just look something up and get an answer? Like, how do you do birthday parties? And yes, you can. You can literally do that. And that was my goal, chock full of, of how I also did the parenting plan workbook with Felicia Malzby-Soleil, who is an attorney uh, here in in Gig Harbor in the area down in Pierce. And that has a series of four hours of videos that she and I did together that walk people through how to think about creating a child-centered parenting plan, which hey, that's free on my website, so go for it. Um, Books available on Amazon. And then more recently, I did the Step Family Handbook with Patricia Papernow, who is an international expert, spent her entire career researching step family and what challenges them and what helps them thrive. So together we created a handbook version of her work. And um, that's been out now for about a year and a half. So...
1: They are both, I mean, I find the co parenting handbook and the step family handbook in particular so vitally important to people who are restructuring and going through things. And one of the things, I don't know how much it helps. I mean, I've heard from several clients that it does. I always have both parents. I'm, you know, when I do a consult, it's before usually anybody has hired an attorney, which is a great time I think to get in and plant those seeds about co-parenting and how can we do this? And so I often offer to send two books out. I'm like, I will send books for both of you so that, you know, both parents can read it. And I always say that it is so important if you can both read it just you know, swallow that idea that you're both going to read this. Then when you're having a problem, it is so much easier to say, remember, what we read in chapter four. Let's go back and read that and then come back together. Whereas it doesn't feel like one person telling the other person what to do. And I find that that has been really helpful. And I'm always like, this is your gold standard of Mm co-parenting. So if you're both reading it, then you both kind of have an idea of what the goal is, what you're trying to accomplish. And I said, and we're going to get to so much of a better parenting plan if you're on the same page with regard to what the goal is. So your book has been invaluable, I think, to parents.
0: Oh, Elise, thank you again. And, and I would also just say for listeners that, you know, people often confuse skillful co-parenting with being friends. Yeah, And you and I yeah. both know that that is that's just icing on the cake. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so the co-parenting handbook is not a kumbaya approach to let's be post-divorce spouses. It really is the practical skill set that two adults who want to do what's best for their kids, how to do it even when we're not friends. Absolutely. Right? So I want to just dispel any myth that good co-parenting means we have to sit next to each other at every soccer game. Well, I will tell you, my kids, dad, and I never sat on the same side of a gymnasium if there was an option to be on the opposite side. And you know what? We were good co-parents.
1: Exactly. So. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that's so important because you're right. I mean, there's a big difference between being friends as co-parents and being skilled co-parents. Correct. Correct.
0: And kids just need the ladder. They do understand sometimes that we're just not going to be
1: friends. That's okay. Exactly. Well, tell us now a little bit about your entrepreneur journey. I understand your entrepreneur journey began before your family journey began. You know, that's true. And I'll just tell the listeners, you know, I mentioned
0: to Elise, I said, you know, I was an entrepreneur before I was a mom. And in some ways, very, very thankful that that's true. But I think I was born an entrepreneur. And I would suggest that there are probably a lot of women who are born entrepreneurs, but don't know it, or they're kind of just secretly hiding their entrepreneurial spirit. They certainly are entrepreneurial in how they parent. And I, absolutely adore watching parents, both moms and dads, uh, figure out how to really invigorate parenting today. So, But for me, I think I was born an entrepreneur. I often say I don't play well with others unless I get to be in charge. And so that was my first clue. I remember at the age of five, I was often told I was bossy. And I was like, bossy, that's leadership. What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> so thank goodness they didn't break my spirit because by the time I was, I moved out to Seattle. I took a job in a hospital, a very lucky job, postgraduate school, and I loved the job but I didn't love working for a company. And I actually didn't love managing an entire staff and an entire unit of psychiatric patients. That was just not my jam. So I quit and I had decided I was gonna be something. I wasn't even sure what I was gonna be. I was gonna develop a consulting company. Now I am 26 and a half years old when I make this decision. And I tell my parents, hey, I quit my job both of whom were totally panicked because my parents who grew up in the hollows of West Virginia, grew up very, very poor, had an adage, which you didn't quit a job until you had a job. And I'm sure other people have heard that before, but I'm like, eh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to create a consulting business while that lasted three months. And then I decided I maybe better figure out how to pay my rent. So I did take a job, but I took a halftime job. Because I was going to pursue that dream of working for myself because I knew that was my happy place. My happy place was creating things. And so by the time I met my children's father, I was half time in a private practice and I was half time working for Madison Health Associates, which was this like dream of two expansive thinkers at the time, opened this integrated health care clinic in downtown Seattle. It lasted open four months, I think, and then boom, bust, right? Wow, it was so exciting to be part of this ground up, you know, right to designing stationery to building out this incredible space down on First and Western. Anybody who's, or Madison and Western, anybody who knows Seattle, that's where it was. Anyway, long story short, I left there with a half time private practice. That was the beginning of my true entrepreneurial place in the world. I got married and I had my first child. And I realized how important it was to me to be able to work and to be able to parent that was the gift the
1: greatest gift that i could do both and i could do both well isn't and that that's, that truth? that's my story i just think that resonates so much i know it does with me and with our other listeners being able to be a good mom and good professionally to me it's such a gift i mean yeah. because i think it's what we all strive for is that we we go to school and many of us, you know, go to school, we go to graduate school, some go to multiple graduate schools, you know, and I mean, we're really into our career and our art and our craft, and we want to be excellent at what we do. And then you have that other part where you have children. And I mean, children are busy, there's a lot going on to raise a child and to parent and to be around for parenting. And, and I'm not saying you have to be around, you know, making every single breakfast or putting together every single no. lunch. I mean, I'm a firm no. believer in delegating things that, you Correct. know, don't require, you know, my skills, but those, those times when you can be in a car with a teenager where they're going to let loose on some big topic, but if you weren't there for that, 30 minute drive, it wouldn't have happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say that one of the values of,
0: well, let me say two things. One is the research, and I don't know if this has been updated. This research was actually done probably 15 or 20 years ago. But the research is that professional women do best when they can work part time and parent, and that working full time and trying to parent or being home full time without being able to, you know, be in the workforce in the way that is meaningful to you, neither of those are as good an option as when you can work and be a parent. So, and it's not about doing two full-time jobs. That's not reasonable. I mean, think many of us try to do that. Many of us try to do that and you blow out your thyroid and you develop all kinds of, you know, ticks and this and that. But, But learning how to work smart and learning how to be creative in your work and working with someone or for someone who really appreciates what balance means to the greater good, to the greater good, because remember,
1: you're no good to the people that you're serving if you're not good to yourself. Completely. I mean, and that is such an important thing. I think as law firm owners, we have to think about what we are requiring of those who are working for us as well. And I mean, I think, cause I know I think I have this mindset of if I just pour, pour, pour into my team and I do everything I can to build them up, make sure they have balance, make sure they have reasonable goals they're attaining, but they're not going over those goals. I mean, those goals are there, but they're there to provide balance and helping them understand how can they do their work smarter? How can they delegate better? Providing delegation opportunities to my entire team. I mean, that's been kind of game changing. Right, And then they can pour into our clients, but they can also be filled up themselves so that they're not depleted when they're pouring into our clients. Because I think that's what I see a lot of is people who are not poured into, then they're expected to pour into clients who can be very difficult. I mean, when you're working in high conflict, co-parenting issues and family law, and I know other practice areas as well, criminal law, bankruptcy, immigration. I mean, there's a lot of practice areas that have very difficult you know situations people are dealing with and they're very stressful and to have an attorney who's not filled up trying to do that work it it's tragic often i mean to see what happens cuz everything kind of suffers i mean both the home front the work front the themself, personal front themselves yeah Exactly. Exactly.
0: There are many, many areas in the legal profession that are high touch, just like in healthcare and being a healthcare provider, being a nurse by training. You know, we realize that burnout is a very, very real phenomena that you can lose your best and your brightest. You can literally lose your talent pool in a high touch situation if you're not careful. And when people become jaded in their work, then, right. and, and as you're pointing out, Elise, everyone's disadvantaged. But don't don't think you don't take that jadedness home because, well, we would. We would take it home. It, it would be difficult
1: to leave all that at the door. I think it's impossible, and especially now, I think in COVID, we are seeing there is no door anymore. You know right. what I mean? People are working from home, and I think if they are having these kind of burnouts and problems, that is really coming over into their families in other areas. I mean, I know with my team, I've really been focused this year on like being emotionally attuned to each person's needs and not, I mean, I don't mean to say I've lost all sense of the metrics cause I'm trying to keep the metrics in mind, but I've had to really adjust and be like, you know, this is a funky time. So maybe this metric isn't being met and maybe I'm meeting a different metric maybe i'm you know meeting a metric of this employee is seeking help going to get counseling and that's a win huge you know. Uh, Making time to keep that psychotherapy appointment
0: once a week. I have had parents say, I can't do another appointment between online school and maintaining my job. And I might be suggesting to them that they're, you know, frazzling at the edges. And they're like, yeah, but I don't have time. I have nowhere. There's no give. And no therapist is working at 2 a.m., which is when they figured they'd have an hour. And they're laying awake anyway, so why not use it? It's crazy. And as my son, Ben said, it used to be great when you could work from home. Now you live where you work. Right. And he said, that's a completely different phenomena. And it's very true. We all are living where we work right now. It is very upside down. And we've got to be careful about staying in awareness about that and boxing it out and putting it away and making sure that it's just not all sitting all over the kitchen counter because it's easy to leave it right in the middle of family life
1: it is and i think that that i think we are seeing a lot of struggle around that now and i mean i know it's i mean i have seen it come up several times in my team you know where i've been like well we've got to figure out how to get this boxed off better how to get you compartmentalized better and how to make sure you're meeting your other needs you know that need to be met and um I mean, we had a situation where I had an attorney got injured during COVID, really injured. And so very initially, she was like, you know, trying to get on slack and try. And I was like, oh, no, the madness. So I literally cut her off. I mean, I cut her out of our slack, cut off her email. <laughs> it felt probably pretty mean. And I'm having to, like, you know, let her know other ways that I've done this, but I'm doing it so she can heal. So that she cannot think about this, because it was like she kept getting drawn in and wanting to think about it. And I'm like, no, I mean, you're literally recovering from massive surgery. You need to sleep and take your meds and sleep more. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com.
0: Yeah, so I mean I think that's one of the values of unleashing your inner entrepreneurial self is to really follow some of those intuitive hints about what what will work here, what would work for me, and how do I invent some of these things? How do I float you know sort of float these by the person who I'm responsible to like like Elise? How would I float by her if I were a person who needed to spend more time with my kids during school during the day? How would I float by her? Hey, I've come up with some ideas put on that entrepreneurial cap that says hey i can innovate here i can bring you ideas that just might work rather than being limited to that box now i'm going to say i would have never been able to do what i did and i am very lucky and blessed and i get it but i also almost always had a third adult in my life with young children and what do i mean by that i didn't have to schlep my kids all day to daycare I did have someone who came into my home and would actually start to do meal prep, who would be with my kids for the four or five hours that I would be in the office. And there was a cost associated with that, there was, but there was a benefit associated with that that I will never regret. And so again, in that sort of spirit of, I get to drive this bus. I get to divine what is success for this family, for the family that I belong to. And maybe somebody else would have said, why didn't you guys move into a bigger house? Why didn't you do something different? Why didn't you, whatever. And it was because this is how we wanted to do it. Right. And those are conversations that you have with your spouse or your partner, or if you're alone, you have them with yourself
1: as you're raising your kids, but they're important conversations. They're so important. And I think it is so I'm so glad you brought that up, just the differences in how people address these things and the idea of an employee coming to their boss with a solution, a proposed idea. I I cannot tell you, I get giddy when people come to me with a problem and a proposed solution. Ideally, even a couple of proposed solutions. I'm like really? thrilled beyond belief at right. that and i mean interesting side note i actually interviewed somebody the other day and she as an interviewee had an issue about the start date and she's like i kind of hate to bring this up but this is when i can start i really want the job this is my proposed solution around it this is my backup proposed solution i was like girl you are fired. <laughs> I was like wow i just
0: There you go. That is innovation. That is an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial way of bringing your inner entrepreneurial forward. And keep in mind, here's the thing: it's going to be 2021. It is the beginning of the new. Let everybody, let it just ring through the land. The beginning of the new. Aquarian energy is arriving, and I know attorneys probably don't read, you know, astrology, but here's the thing about Aquarians because I am one. So I can be (laughs) an authority about what's arriving. And that is, we are independent. We love to do things in innovative ways. And so that energy is going to be more um, available to everyone to be looking for innovation, opportunity, new ways, the beginning of the new. Let's go go for it. it Because here
1: here we are. It's just sitting, waiting for us. And I think we women are just at the, I mean, absolute precipice of being able to just take off beyond belief. I mean, you know, I get surrounded by Ethan and his love of SpaceX and all go, Elon Musk. And so, and I think of everything in terms of how women can do things. And the other night we're watching Star Trek, you know, with, and I forget her name, but it's this strong female captain. And I was like, I love this. Who knew (laughs) this was a real thing. But, you know, Ethan is teaching me so many things during this quarantine. But I mean, we have, everything is out there. And I think you're exactly right. That independence in that innovative thinking, I mean, everyone should be expecting it now. So now's the time to, I mean, large and in charge, put it out there. Like we don't need to be tiptoeing around our out the box ideas. Our out the box ideas are what is going to make us propel forward. And women are masters at out the box ideas. Because we do it all the time with our families. I mean, how many of us have had a child at 9.30 PM come to us and tell us about a science project that is due at 8 AM the next day? And I mean, you know, depending on your parenting style, I mean, I tend to be that parent like, well, this will be interesting for you all night. I'm going to bed now. (laughs) But other parents are more involved. (laughs) They're like, Okay, what can I do? But I mean, people figure things out and I think we have to be innovative. Right. And I think t- if 2020 hasn't shown us that innovation is a gold mine of opportunity, Absolutely, that's not just the message of the pandemic, Elise,
0: that's obvious, that's the obvious one, but here's the other thing, all the boxes are collapsing. If we're watching what's going on in our economic and political structures, those boxes need to collapse. I mean, this isn't, you know, that conversation, but it's obvious that there are many things that are gonna need to be fixed because they got broken or they were broken and they got exposed. So we're doing that on every level, we're doing that with ourselves, we're doing it in our relationships and how we work. And we're going to be doing it in the bigger picture in our communities, in our firms, our uh, work with our
1: clients. Well, and I was talking to somebody who has an entire program around parents and offices and firms and large companies, mostly tech companies. Huh? How do they treat parents in the work environment? And obviously we're seeing so many women leave the workforce in, yes. I mean, horrendous numbers. Numbers. I mean, numbers that are like 1950s and before kind of number. I mean, it's scary what's going on. But in in my world, I think of this. I mean, this is the opportunity for female firm owners and other types of entrepreneurs to really think outside the box, bring your emotional intelligence to your work and to your team and be willing to be flexible and I mean, I think everything is on the table. I tell my team all the time, ask me for anything. I don't care how utterly random it is. The worst I'm gonna do is say, I don't Mm -hmm. think so right now. Not yet. Yeah, but- It's the best answer, like not yet, because it might not be
0: today, but you know, this might be a half-baked idea that it's on its way to being great brownies.
1: So just let it sit in the oven a while. I always say it's got to simmer like a good gumbo. There you go. There you go. You can see who eats the
0: brownies and who goes for the more sultry stuff. You know, it's just a difference.
1: (laughs) But it's so true. And I think allowing people to think outside the box and encouraging them to think outside the box. Like we talk about schedules. I'm like, maybe you want to work four days a week. Maybe you're a person who'd rather work a few hours, seven days a week. I mean. Who knows? And everybody has come down with a different answer. I mean, it's been fascinating to see when you offer that type of flexibility, what resonates with each person. Some people need more freedom. Other people want more structure. You know, it's a everybody is different and being able to roll with that, I think, is the key to our future.
0: Right. I think the other thing that's important as everybody continues to do their work, you know, so I've been doing this work in family law for what now pretty much straight for 15 years and I've loved it and a lot has come out of it. It's been such a wonderful, wonderful experience for me professionally. And I was just saying to you when we were starting at least I'm revisioning 2021. It's the beginning of the new. I'm revisioning again. I'm 65 turning 66 years old right. in February. And it's never too late. It's never, there can be multiple iterations of how you do the work you were brought here to do mm-hmm. and, dis- and discovering how you can get paid to do your work, to do the things that bring you pleasure and joy and soul fulfillment right? We're all figuring that out. Sometimes it's just raising our kids right now or all the soul fulfillment we need. And that's great. Then I just need a paycheck. But for those of you who are like itching for a little more, just a little more now's time. Now's the time. Okay. And if, not, and if nothing more, grab somebody, grab someone like the leads, grab someone like me, grab someone to say, I need to, I need to dream out loud with someone. Right. I need the freedom and the safety to literally dream out loud about where I want to go. Where's
1: my North Star? Do that. Oh, I think that is such great advice because I, I think our vision changes. I mean, I Absolutely. hope our vision changes. I know mine does pretty regularly. I mean, I every year I feel like I have something bigger and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And then I'm like, what am I thinking? <laughs> and you know, then you've got to really talk to somebody about it. And Oftentimes, people are like, oh, no, I think you could do that. Like, that's a good idea. And that really does help you right. work with your vision and help bring it to fruition. That's exactly right.
0: Yep. Dreams start out here and then they come down here and they get some structure. And often in that in that journey from impulse and intuition to structure are our, our, our brain trusts and our heart trusts, those people who are right there with us who will listen to our dreams and support them as they take form and shape?
1: I just love that you are revisioning what you're doing and you shared with our listeners your age, because I think many people have this just kind of arbitrary thought around age and what things look like and what you can and can't do. And I find for myself now that I'm moving into that empty nest syndrome, like I've loved the quarantine, having Ethan at home. We have done more things together that I wouldn't have gotten to do with my senior son if life had been normal. And it's right. been kind of amazing. Right. And so I really appreciate that. But then I also know next year is going to look really different really and different. So it's really fun to think about what can I create? Because I'm like you, I love to create things. And it they become like my baby. And it, it's probably some psychological mess up in me. But it's like, what can I create that I'll focus on that I won't focus on the fact that Ethan is gone? You know, like it will be a thing where I can kind of throw myself in, I can be really involved in it. And Ethan can be off doing his thing and we can just be as happy as can be checking in and seeing what we're both doing. And
0: Absolutely. But there's one other piece that's really important to this, especially for empty nesters or for people who are in the transition place, that liminal place of, I know I need to let go of what I've been doing because I'm not satisfied anymore or I'm, I'm getting burned out, but I don't know where I'm going. I can't see my North star yet. And I will tell you, Elise, I will tell you this now, I probably wouldn't have disclosed this to you five months ago, like back in the summer. But what the pandemic did for me is it brought a bunch of clouds into my usual clarity about Mm. where am I going? What do I want to do next? There were like this cloud pattern came in, right? So I couldn't see my North Star and I had to sit in that uncertainty I just sit in that discomfort of never in my life do I remember anyway it's probably not true I probably just don't remember it did I feel so sort of stuck and almost trapped like well maybe I should just retire no I don't want to retire well but I want to keep doing this in the same way that I've been doing it right so I had to have all this revisiting this conversation with myself it took months yeah it took it took months and so for those of you who might be having that experience, I want to just say again: find someone to dream with, and don't and don't get um, don't get dissuaded, uh, no. don't get disheartened. Uh, you might just be in one of those moments, the gestational moments, right? You just might be cocooning an idea. It's frustrating, I get it, but we all go through it. Uh, Absolutely. Stay, you know, it was amazing to listen to Stacey Abrams a few months ago when she was being asked after she had lost the governor's race, well, are you going to run for Senate? Would you be interested in vice presidential, blah, blah, blah? And she said there on national TV, I was so blessed by this because I was in it at that point. You know, she said, I don't know. Right. And I'm not going to make any decision yep. until I know. She just said that on national TV. She said, I don't know.
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yes. But don't you think that harkens back to the families we work with? Sometimes they don't know what it's going to look like next. And and I try to encourage people all the time. I'm like, it's okay to don't know. And yeah. you can don't know. And I try to make it where that's an okay feeling because I'm like, you don't have to make these huge decisions right now. Right, You can make baby decisions of, this is how I'm going to treat my ex, or this is how I'm going to do my co-parenting, or this is how I'm going to handle my current bank account. <laughs> and I don't know what it's going to look like in six months. Right,
0: right. So there you go. It's the trickle down. The way that I treat myself, the way I honor where I am becomes part of what informs how I treat others. And, totally. and if you will, mentor and, and usher them along, steward
1: them along through their own process. Yeah. I mean, it's so poignant to have I don't know as the thing that you can kind of grab onto as an okay response. I mean, I sometimes joke being a dumb blonde and I'm blonde so I can say that like I get to accept that (laughs) I'm really (laughs) comfortable with my I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there are times that I, I sometimes think we lawyers need to do a better job of I don't know. And we need to say, we will go look it up, we will find resources, we'll find the who's out there who can help us, but we don't always know. And I think so many of us jump to an answer because we think that's what we're supposed to do. Mm. And I really think I don't know is a very viable answer in many situations.
0: It just occurred to me, attorney answer syndrome. Think about that acronym.
1: I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: bad idea bad idea
1: <laughs> oh my gosh that's so true well Karen I really appreciate you being here with us today and especially in the middle of the holidays I just appreciate your time and I appreciate you and I cannot wait to see your re 2021 because everything you do is kind of golden to me I mean you just do amazing work And I really appreciate everything you've put out into the world thus far. I just think you help so, so, so many families. And um, I mean, if you could just hear the glowing things I say about you every day on consult calls, I mean... (laughs) I'm always like, just read her book, please. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Elise.
0: Your friendship, your colleagueship, your inspiration is a part of my day-to-day as well. So I'm looking forward to actually seeing you again in the new year. It won't be live, folks. We're going to have lunch together on Zoom, believe it or not. (laughs) Breaking bread together on Zoom. And so I wish everyone a happy, stay healthy, New Year, one filled with surprising moments of innovation and inspiration and peace, of course.
1: Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful rest of your week and Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See
1: you next time.